The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where just about anything goes. Coming up, we'll talk about the pandemic reverse ghosting syndrome. Yeah, somebody coined some some new disease. Uh, how long should sex last? And new research showing the benefits of consensual non-monogamy. That's coming up, but first... Let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. So I got lots of emails to share with you tonight in response to last night's show, which I thought uh, was great to have all these people, um, you know, calling in and telling us how they felt. If you missed it, last night's show was our Boomer panel, which you can catch on podcast. If you go to drlaurie.com, you click on the Passion Radio tab, and uh, you have access to all the past podcasts podcasts of the show and it was uh, definitely an interesting and fun show Uh, so I want to share a couple of emails people can email me to laurie at drlaurie.com or if you have a question right here right now or a comment you can text it in at 514-800 Dr. Laurie I had lunch today with a friend who works in marketing and advertising she is also a passion listener we both loved last night's show informative and entertaining is an understatement she told me in marketing and advertising you must know a little about the product you want to promote what do you get when you take a psychologist who specializes in sex love and relationships who has a good sense of humor and you team her up with an older married woman who is sexually experienced outspoken smart and has class and a mature over 60s man who is intelligent but says what is on his mind in a funny way and not so politically correct you have the synopsis of a light comedy tv series that would make sex in the city look like the brady bunch it would be a hit last night's show is exactly that we loved it so any uh, television producers out there if you have any ideas uh yeah i'd be into it why not it'll be fun uh, good day, Dr. Lori. Last night's Boomer show was nothing short of fantastic. It has to be one of the most entertaining shows you ever had. It was fun, interesting, and informative, and even funny at times. Mark and Mallory complimented each other beautifully, and you made it all come together. You seem to enjoy it very much, too. No COVID discussion, which I think we all have had enough of. My husband commented that these two likely hooked up sometime in the past and don't know it. We look forward to the next Boomer show. I uh, know they actually do not know each other. Um, my wife and I are both millennials and we're never really fans of the millennial panel, maybe because it's just more of what we hear and are ourselves. As millennials, we really enjoyed last night's Baby Boomer show. It was refreshing and truly fun. Your two guests were great and we loved the way they bounced things off each other. We actually learned a few things we lack in our relationship. Thank you for a great show. Uh, Another one. Good day. I caught the baby boomer show last night and as a boomer myself and as a university professor, I must say that it was an outstanding show. I could have listened for hours. Mark and Mallory were like two peas in a pod. Mallory seemed like the adventurous, open-minded woman with a good head on her shoulders and well-spoken, and Mark, who came across as an intelligent, open guy who has a comedic side. Mark and Mallory has the same ring as Mork and Mindy. (laughs) 
and seemed to get along like them. They were perfect for each other. I think all listeners got something out of that show. If they did not learn anything, they were certainly entertained. Also, if I may ask, I've heard the term passion poet and listened to a few of the poems. Very creative individual. Who is this passion poet? That person may make a good guest on your show. So I got permission to out Mark... He didn't want me to say that he was the passion poet, but that was our baby boomer last night. Mark, our baby boomer a panelist, is actually the passion poet. Uh, a listener, we met through his poems, and that was it. So um, he gave me permission to, um, to out him. <laughs> that was him. Uh, I'm taking a few minutes during my lunch uh, to write you. I am a talk show junkie, and I can usually tell how a talk show will go in just a few minutes. The chemistry the three of you had last night during the Baby Boomer show was amazing. It was like listening to three best friends talking about anything, and nothing is taboo. I agreed with most points, disagreed with some. The show made me smile and even laugh at times. It was perfect. I like the comment the guy made about imperfections on an older woman. Not imperfections, they're features. Nice to hear a man who can admire a woman's body for what it is. Thank you for a great end to what was a beautiful day. Uh, so thank you for that. Appreciate that. Uh, another one. Loved your show last night. Not sure if you have ever had this topic on your show. Would like to know if it is possible to find love after being diagnosed with a condition or ailment, for example, asthma, emphysema, heart trouble, cancer, or even someone on oxygen, etc. Would someone be willing to join this type of relationship where maybe down the road things could get tough to deal with? That's a very good question and one that people struggle with who have either certain disabilities or chronic illnesses. I always feel there's a lid for every pot. Like I, I just think it is more challenging. But I have a friend who became uh, blind. I met him at the gym. He's a young man. Um, he became completely blind, and he has been extremely successful dating. So uh, that showed me that even with challenges, and if you put yourself out there and you have a positive outlook that matters that positive outlook and and the I've you know I've got this yes I may be sick but I'm not going to let that stop me from enjoying my life and like that in terms of um, having that kind of outlook on life is appealing to other people and they may um, you know maybe the, the the condition won't be the the, the top thing that they uh, that they see Someone texted in, yesterday's 61-year-old guest is actually the passion poet, with lots of exclamation marks. Yes, he is. Mark is the passion poet. Somebody else wrote, that is so cool. Uh, it is cool, and this is the second time he's been on our Boomer panel, so the first time was the first time I actually met him in person, uh, which, uh, of course, he is a delight. So um, there you go. All right, here's another question. Um, my my fiancé is quite insatiable, and I'm suspecting she might be a sex addict. To be blunt, we can have sex four to five times a day, and she could have 15 orgasms and still wouldn't be enough. Now she wants a threesome with another woman. First thought, awesome. Problem is, where to go find someone? Friends and colleagues are out of the question. We want to avoid going to a swingers club in case we see people we know. Uh, Tinder seems like too much work, and people, women on it, we discovered, are actually men trying to get off or something. Another option would be an escort. Question is, are escorts legal or illegal in Quebec? If legal, this would solve the problem despite the financial costs 
flip side, I don't need to have the door busted down by the police and my parents seeing me on the latest edition of Cops. Any thoughts or suggestions? So, in fact, there are, there are websites, secure websites. Um, the one that comes to mind, I don't know if it's still called that, venuscouples.com. I think it was, but they could have changed their name. I'm not sure. But they are websites that cater to consensually non-monogamous couples or swingers where they have like a separate section where you can uh, put an ad up, for example, looking for, uh, you know, somebody to swing with, a woman to join your threesome or what what have you. Uh, and I think that's your best option rather than going through the escort service and, and all of that. So that's something that you can definitely try um, through a, a specialized website rather than Tinder or anything, uh, anything like that. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Nick, that's kind of new agey music. That's kind of cool. Uh, compared to last night's rock, 70s rock. Somebody wants to know, is the Passion Poet Italian? No, uh, the Passion Poet happens to be part British, part German, is what he uh, told me. <laughs> Just putting that out there. So, have any of you experienced or have been struck with PRGS? This pandemic reverse ghosting syndrome. Uh, this is an article written by Dr. Ravi Chandra, and I, I, I want to talk about it because I thought, thought it was quite interesting. Uh, so, of course, we're all talking about isolation and loneliness and disconnection during uh, our uh, sheltering in place. But what has been noted, uh, little has been noted about this, is the opposite, which he calls the pandemic reverse ghosting syndrome, or PRGS, meaning out of the blue, People we haven't heard from in ages, people who had ghosted, rejected, or even abused us, are showing up. Has this happened to you? I want to hear. Of course, it can be a welcome shift uh, for some people as as more people maybe recognize the value of communication and kindness and love and relationships, but it might be a little bit jarring. So he is uh, separated them into three different um, degrees of this syndrome, if you will. Mild PRGS, PRGS stands for Pandemic Reverse Ghosting Syndrome. This refers to benign and welcome contact. It includes primarily the sudden outpouring of requests for Zoom calls from people you are friendly with, but rarely see under normal circumstances. These are the people who need to schedule lunches and coffee dates with friends like three weeks in advance. But now, more time. Friendship more visible, uh, which is nice, right? So this is the nice kind. The moderate syndrome of pandemic reverse ghosting syndrome, these are the exes and friends who basically faded from view for no particular reason, but then suddenly text you, they like your Instagram posts, or they call you. Um but what's behind this, right? Is there some, is it an ex wanting to rekindle? Is there some regret about your parting ways years ago? Um, does uh, somebody want to 
are they feeling nostalgic and and want to reignite some of those memories? Um, so, what he says is most of these moderate uh, pand- pandemic reverse ghosting syndromes is a nice surprise, but you should not have any expectations about this. The severe syndrome uh, said he says I've heard several of. Uh, cases of exes, relatives, and friends who fell out of a a relationship in a very harsh way with anger, accusations, vitriol, having a kind of conversion during COVID-19. They apologize, express regrets about their behaviors, suggest that they really do love you, and might even ask for a return to the relationship. Uh, He warns that this can also... uh, parallel the cycle of abuser-victim dyads with the abuser continually apologizing and the victim forgiving and then hoping only to return to the cycle. So uh, he suggests, um, be careful, this is a judgment call. Uh, Do you acknowledge and validate the person? What might this lead to? Uh, And maintain boundaries, especially if the person has made you feel unsafe emotionally or physically at any point. So, have you had ghosts in your life that turn into zombies, meaning they are returning from the dead during the pandemic? Has this happened to you? Has not happened to me. I have not really connected with anybody, any ghosts uh, of late, but I'm curious to know if you have experienced this as well. 514-800, you know, it's Friday night, anything goes. If you have any questions during the hour, feel free to send them along. I will answer them. If you have comments about any of the um, issues that we are talking about, any of the stories I'm sharing with you, you know you're always uh, welcome here. So, uh, And if you want to just talk to me, you can do that too. Tell me how you're doing. 514-790-0800. Have you ever thought about having an open marriage or having what's called a consensual non-monogamous marriage? We live in a time where we put a lot of expectations on our spouses to be our one and only, our soulmates, the person who is going to fulfill all of our emotional needs, all of our uh, sexual needs. But it's very difficult to live up to such an expectation. And what happens when we fail to meet our partner's needs or we don't get ours met, we think that our marriage isn't as good somehow as it is supposed to be. Nothing could be further from the truth when we look at discrepancies in sexual desire, which, by the way, are inevitable in any intimate relationships. At some point, there will be, or at many points, a uh, discrepancy in sexual desire, meaning one wants it more than the other. What often happens, often maybe about 20%, maybe more, a frustrated partner will seek out sexual satisfaction outside of the marriage in a betrayal form, in other words, an illicit um, affair, which of course will damage the relationship if uh, it is um 
discovered. Infidelity is still a leading cause of divorce and certainly one of the most common reasons why couples will go for uh, counseling. When they do, the chance of success is very high uh, in terms of staying together, but otherwise not so much. So there was a study done uh, in Canada by Samantha Joel and her team and um, what they looked at are couples who resolve this issue, especially the discrepancy in sexual desire issue, um, by opening up their marriages. Generally, I do not recommend this as a fix unless there's really good communication to begin with in in the marriage. Um, but So when we're talking about open opening up your marriage, it means that we're allowing each other to have sex with other partners. We know this arrangement is called consensual non-monogamy. It can happen as a, it can take the form of swinging, uh, where you know you swap partners or you go to a club or what have you. It can be simply uh, an open marriage in which each spouse is free to seek out other sex partners on uh, on their own. Uh, usually, there's rules like your partner has some. Uh, some say over some of the conditions, you know, uh, and then there's polyamory in which each spouse is the primary partner in this long-term uh, relationship, but it also means that they are allowed or have the freedom to seek out other relationships, not just for sex, but um, even for more than sex, even like they become friends and friends that have sex and things like that. So they, they develop a, a certain kind of bond, never as strong as the primary relationship, but nonetheless. So apparently, research suggests that around 20% of married couples have experimented with consensual non-monogamy. That's a lot, like I, it's a it's a surprising number, um, but the percentage of those currently engaged in the practice is uh, lower uh, than that. The general consensus seems to be that uh, consent, a consensual non-monogamy can lead to more harm than than good. Uh, so people, these researchers wanted to uh, study this to see. Um, are, are these relationships uh, harmful? Are they healthy? What's the deal here? Now, other studies have been done that ha- that have looked at people who've engaged in uh, consensual non-monogamous relationships, and they have found that they these people report being just as happy in their marriages as the strictly monogamous couples are, and also they have found that they are more sexually uh, satisfied. They all, research has also found that these couples, the open couples, have better communication skills, higher levels of trust, and lower levels of jealousy than do those in traditional marriages. Clearly, if you do not have good communication to begin with, you do not have trust, and you have, you're a very jealous person, an open marriage is not for you. I'm just telling you right now. Uh, so, can opening up your marriage make it happier. This is what they 
wanted to look at. So they uh, wanted to see this over the long term. So they followed people, they recruited a bunch of people, followed them over time uh, to see if they were actually happier. And what they found was that there was definitely uh, more relationship satisfaction, more personal satisfaction, and more sexual satisfaction in the couples that had uh, consensual non-monogamy relationships. However, what we don't know here is the who answered the questionnaire. So if it was the partner who was the one who suggested it, obviously that's going to skew the results. And that is the weakness in this study. So more work needs to be done to really um, look at what happens to these couples, not just two months in, which is what they looked at, but uh, two years in, three years in, et cetera, et cetera. Coming up, we're going to uh, talk about how long should sex from the pleasure and the politics to the hang ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion CJD 800 couple of texts to share with you. Uh, some people just cannot be with with just one person sexually, but being in an open marriage, sex in, is an emotional act, making love even more emotional. In a marriage, I do not think you can really love someone and be emotional with another. You say that, but if you speak to people who practice o- o- an open marriage or a consensual non-monogamy or polyamory, really, that part... Um, they will tell you that it works for them. Although I have counseled uh, couples where it, 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 they were in this polyamorous relationship or a triad, which you know blew up in their face, it, that can happen as well. There are certainly some risks involved as well. But um, if you talk to them, you'll see that they can do it successfully. I don't think we're all wired for it though I think and there was a study done that showed that some people seem to be wired for non-monogamy while others are wired for uh, monogamy Uh, the passion poet weighs in I am Mark from the boomer show and I write Lori some lines I put them all together and it turns out in a rhyme my inspiration is Dr. Lori a woman one of a kind she never judges anyone so say what's on your mind a little shout out to Mallory I think she is special too but the show is called passion Dr. Lori is here for you oh thank you Mark that was lovely uh, you never uh, disappoint with your daily passion poet, your poets, poems. Um, so we're going to talk about how long should intercourse last. Somebody wrote in, foreplay can start from the time uh, you wake up on a Saturday, some joyful touching during the day, and even some hot sex in the afternoon, then start foreplay again until you go to bed. So sex can last all day. But if you're talking a single event, at least two hours. Holy crap. All right. Well, let me just share this post by Isadora Ullman. She is a, uh, uh, basically writes on sex and, and sociability. So I want to share this with you. Uh, How long an act of intercourse lasts has many variables, right? If you look at the guy, it has to do with the guy's age, the newness of the couple to each other, whether other sexual acts are included, whether there are breaks in the action, whether the guy was drinking beforehand, 
And apparently, when surveyed about their sex lives, men tend to exaggerate. Three minutes becomes 15 in the blink of an eye, she says. And it's quite true because if you ask how long you get a, and then you give them a timer, you're going to get two very, very different numbers, okay? Uh, so, she goes on to say, in some acts of vaginal sex, how long it lasts is determined not by the man, but by the woman. Uh, and she says the same is true of anal sex in a male couple. The receiving partner might have expressed a desire for a long session, so the active partner, the one doing the penetrating, will do his best to last longer than he might otherwise, sometimes using erection enhancers. More likely, the receiving partner will lose interest, become dry, and or intercourse might go from pleasurable to painful. So the issue then would not would be not how long the active partner can last, but how long it's pleasurable to the receiving partner. And the two determinants are not always in sync, meaning he might take longer to orgasm than the passive partner would prefer, or climax sooner than either he or his partner would like. Sometimes a change in positions or more than one will ease discomfort for one or both and allow the active partner to remain so. If there is such a momentary interruption, is that counted on the time clock? So that's one of the many subtleties that would interfere with a straight answer to the question, how long should sex last? Given the assumption that any sex act is supposed to be pleasurable for both parties, how long it should last will be determined best by the people involved and no one else. There is no number. Uh, how do we clock it if they break for oral or manual sex or pause for a conversation or a request? So the answer is, how long should it last? As long as we are both enjoying it and not one second longer. And this is determined by, of course, communication. Everything comes down to good sexual communication. Okay, let's, uh, what are we going to talk about next? Uh, you know that uh, if we stay on the sex topic here, um, more people are talking about masturbation during quarantine. More people are, are talking about masturbation openly uh, during this um, pandemic. So one thing for sure, since the start of uh, isolation, sex toy companies have seen their sales skyrocketing. A um, Another app, an erotica app, like an audio erotica app, Dipsy, has seen a 50% increase in users, Okay, the, uh, especially the day after making their uh, guided masturbation sessions free to the public. So you can get that too. Look them up, D-I-P-S-E-A. Um, masturbation has become less taboo now. Why? Because official sources are urging us to masturbate. Yeah, I don't know if you remember we talked about this, but the New York City Health Department, the Toronto Public Health, they all uh, released uh, guides, sex and coronavirus disease guides, basically, saying things like, you are your safest sex partner, and masturbation will not spread COVID-19. In Toronto, they encourage masturbation as the safest way to have sex. So 
obviously seeing these official government sources encouraging you to uh, self-pleasure certainly makes it less taboo and uh, less shameful. A similar thing happened during the AIDS uh, era in the 80s and 90s when masturbation was also encouraged by public officials. So people are more willing now to talk about masturbation because they don't have, A, wild stories of, uh, of social experiences to share in uh, conversation, and B, it's at, this is all acting, this quarantine, as the bridge between this taboo subject and normalization. Finally, it had to take come down to this to be able to talk about it much more um publicly. So obviously people can't go out on dates or have one night stands. I mean, I'm sure people still do, but generally speaking, not the safest thing uh, to do. So people are relying on uh, self-exploration, which is, by the way, uh, a great way to be resourceful when it comes to your uh, sexuality and your uh, sexual desires. So there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a great outlet. We all have access to it. We have the freedom to engage in it. We have the freedom to have an orgasm or any kind of sexual pleasure uh, that we want. And uh, regardless of whether you have a partner, don't have a partner, etc. So I, for one, am happy that it's uh, we're talking about it a whole lot more. <laughs> First time I had sex, I gave her the best 15 seconds I could. <laughs> You're, that experience, uh, I think, would be echoed by many men's very first experiences of, of sex and sometimes first experiences with a new partner, regardless of whether it was your first time or, or not. Uh, in your opinion, Lori, would you deem engaging in polygamous and polyamorous relationships a courageous endeavor in that it takes courage and strength of character to endure sharing your spouse or alternatively, a cowardly one rather in that one is ultimately incapable of controlling their urges and being monogamous instead? I'm, I'm not sure either one of those uh, actually. I, I think that it requires certain conditions to be able to be in a consensually non-monogamous relationship like I said earlier you have to have really good communication you can't be jealous or uh, you you have to I also noticed this you have to be able to separate the sex from the emotion maybe not so much in polyamory where it's kind of a mindset a little bit it's a little bit different um, but if you're just talking about swinging like pure sex with other people, to be able to separate the emotions from from the sex. Personally, I, I don't know how I would never be able to do it simply because I couldn't see it working for me, not because I don't have good communication or what have you. It's just not in my, I don't feel like it's in my soul, in my DNA. Like I'm a, a very uh, monogamous, uh, faithful person and it just wouldn't fit for me. But it does work for other people and I don't want to yuck their yum, right? I, I don't want to be sitting here in judgment because it's all done consensually. So it seems to work um, for them. Coming up, we'll talk about warning signs. You are not being the best coronavirus partner to your mate. With Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. 
couple of texts here uh, in response to some of the things we've been talking about. Ideal intercourse dur- duration? Well, there are so many things going on and people are so different. I agree with the previous poster. Mutual pleasure and communication determines this for each couple and each event for a couple. And that is exactly right. There is no there is no average time, no real time, no not not what it should be. There's no shoulds when it comes to this. And on the cup on the subject of consensual non-monogamy, as a guy who was a third with a married couple, I lost two friends and their marriage ended. Take your chances, but think twice about the risks. Is it worth it? And, and you bring up a good point because obviously there is a risk, and you can't just enter into a consensually non-monogamous arrangement without first hashing it out completely like talking about every possible scenario and feelings and and then debriefing afterwards and then if one person is not comfortable with it then it's not something that should continue if one person feels pressured into this also it's going to blow up in your face most likely so um i'll just give you the 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 story of a couple Um, It was a a gentleman who absolutely was bugging his wife to enter into a a consensually non-monogamous situation. He absolutely wanted, for years, he kept bugging her about it. She finally relented, um, and she was the first one to find another partner and actually enjoyed it. He freaked out, absolutely freaked out and I guess he did not anticipate he was only thinking about how he would feel right that what the experience would be like for him he did not anticipate how he would feel about his uh, wife having another sexual partner and he wanted to reverse the whole thing and she was like listen I'm sorry you opened that door I'm I'm liking this I like having other sexual partners and uh too bad, so sad. Be careful what you wish for. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the best response, and they didn't have the best communication, which is why they came to therapy. But nonetheless, that was uh, the situation. So, uh, yes, sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for. It doesn't always turn out beautifully. So uh, understand that. I haven't had sex for a few months and haven't masturbated for over a month. Sure, I'm getting a little antsy these days, but on the plus side, I look forward to being intimate with my girlfriend again sometime soon after a nice non-contact social distance picnic with her this evening. Just be prepared that after no sexual activity for this long, uh, it may not last very long for you. So be prepared and it's all okay. It's all part of normal, okay? So don't worry. I read an interesting article, warning signs you are not being the best coronavirus partner. What are some of these signs? Are you being passive aggressive about your needs? Clearly, we are all like, when you're with someone for an extended period of time, 24-7, uh, yeah, there are going to be things that uh, that irk us, okay? Let's be clear, for for many of us, that's what's going to happen. But when you don't speak up about how your needs aren't being met or you have all this pent-up discontent and it's all there, it's going to create tension in the relationship. If you, So you do not want to just keep quiet about how you feel. 
if you're not speaking up just to keep the peace, this is going to make you feel uh, neglected, disappointed, uh, and will create uh, behaviors that are passive-aggressive, and that is uh, not healthy, okay? Uh, what about uh, if, you're, if you're each not respecting each other's work boundaries? Boundaries are always important, but in the, these times when you might both, uh, for example, be working from home or one person is working from home, uh, you don't want to feel or, or you need to have clear boundaries because it's like if I'm working and my partner just waltzes in anytime he feels like it, if I'm on a call with someone or what have you, just because I'm home, no, 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 that doesn't work. So you need to have really uh, good conversations and set some new boundaries and be respectful of each other's work time. That's also very important. Uh, another warning sign that you're not being an, an, a great partner is your body language. If you are rolling your eyes and, you know, you, you know what I mean, like, oh, you know, that kind of thing, or rolling your eyes or, or whatever, uh, that can create tension in the home. The dismissive body language is damaging to a couple's relationship. In fact, it's quite contemptuous, right? That kind of uh, eye rolling and sarcasm and, and name calling. Um, John Gottman's work, this is a great researcher in, in relationships, um, found that the number one predictor of divorce is this kind of contemptuous behavior. So you do not want to do this. Another sign is that you are a slob. In other words, if your partner uh, is carrying all the weight of household chores, they are going to feel disrespected and unsupported, and then they're going to build up all kinds of resentment. But hey, this is something that's solvable, guys. This you can fix. You can fix this by having an uh, open communication, direct communication, uh, splitting up the tasks, meeting, having like a family meeting every week to decide who's doing what so one person does not feel completely uh, overwhelmed. Another uh, sign that you're not being the best uh, coronavirus partner is you have a short fuse. I may, I'm sure a lot of people have short fuses uh, by now. It's it's hard when you're stuck together and you don't have an outlet, right? Sometimes if you can run away to work, for example, you it, it can diffuse um, a situation. So if you find that you're lashing out or your partner is lashing out at you, you need to sit down and, and, and talk together as a team. Remember that you are uh, a team. Don't let these build up, these, these negative uh, moments build up. Talk about them, discuss them, check in with each other, have these regular meetings to do that. Another issue, another problem, is you're working the same long hours. In other words, what I'm noticing is that some people who are working from home are actually working more, right? They there's no there there's no like end, you know, like Friday five o'clock finished weekend is yours, or six o'clock every day. No, people are still continuing uh, to work, and so. Of course, you know, partners are going to feel quite neglected. And if you're withdrawing from uh, your family, that is something you don't want to do. I mean, yes, maybe you're looking for certain escapes. Uh, a lot of people uh, choose to go online for that, but not at the price 
of neglecting your family in these situations. Not good. So those are signs that you may not be the best uh, coronavirus partner. So keep yourself in check. L- look at your, be a perceptive and, and aware, self-aware uh, of your behaviors and see what's happening. A couple of texts here. From an objective perspective, considering we wouldn't, to any rational degree, ever expect our spouses not to interact with others or develop friendships outside their proper romantic relationships, hence sharing them in that respect, likewise then, shouldn't we be equally gracious and selfless with regards to equally sharing them sexually as well? That's that's a, a matter of opinion, right? Because m- many of us go into marriage with fidelity as the basis of uh, of that marriage or, or that rule, let's just say, unless you've talked about it. If this is how you feel and your partner feels the same way, then you would probably have a very successful uh, uh, consensually non-monogamous relationship and that would work uh, for you. Uh, it's okay. We're both in our late fifties. We have lots to share, lots to share pleasure with mutual orgasms are coordinated (laughs) given that our level of communication is super high. Yes. At a distance. And this is where masturbation plays a very nice part, uh, as well. Uh, open marriage has to be super balanced that those guys really have to be on the same page all over the place, morally, sexual energy wise, non-jealousy wise, the works. You are 100% correct on that. You need to really be um, together on this. You can't be pulling one partner into it and the other one is like screaming behind there saying, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do this because you want to. And then that's not going to work very well. So uh, yes, you have to really be on the same uh, on the same page for it to be uh, successful. And this is from just from speaking to so many couples that I know who do practice consensual uh, non-monogamy. That's it for our Friday edition of Passion. I want to thank you for being here tonight. And if you've been here the rest of the week, of course, you know I totally appreciate you and appreciate your uh, listenership and appreciate the fact that you're part of this passion community. So you need to know that. Uh, thanks to uh, Nicole, our technical producer tonight, Linda Delisi, our passion researcher. If you want to connect with me, uh, you can do that through my website, drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, where you will find, if you go to the Passion Radio tab, all the past shows. So the podcasts are there. You can listen to them at your leisure. You can share them or whatever you like. You can also find me on social media uh, at Dr. Lori Batito. My last name spelled B-E-T-I-T-O. Like my page on Facebook. You'll get notified when, uh, of course, when there's new articles posted or when we go live, which we haven't done in a while. And when this is all over, we'll go uh, do some Facebook lives once again. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and even better weekend. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. Take